Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Doc Tales. If you've joined us before, you know that our 5 p.m. on Tuesday, Doc Tales, is a spin on the Doc Tales that everyone enjoys at the Doc. This is Doc Tales, T-A-L-E-S, and it features gold loopers telling the stories or the tales of their Great Loop adventure. And I'm thrilled today to have Greg and Sue Costa of Lucky Me with us. They are our guests. Hi, Greg and Sue. Hello. Hello. Hi. And they are coming to us from their home in North Fort Myers um, because they are between loops right now, so to speak. And we'll talk about that a little bit more shortly. Um, but so many interesting things about Sue and Greg. So if you don't know them, we're going to cover a lot of that today. Um, we are also able and willing to take your questions. So if you type those in in the Facebook comments, we can see them here. We'll show them on the screen and we'll get Sue and Greg to answer your questions for you. So feel free to give them a shout out or ask your questions. Um, but just to kind of start things off, um, Sue and Greg, tell us a little bit about yourselves, about uh, you know your boating experience and about the Lucky Me and did you have her before you started the loop? All right. <laughs> so um, I started boating in 2016 after I met Susan. Um, so I've, I've had relatively a limited amount of boating before we started the loop. Uh, as far as the lucky me, uh, it is our on the first boat we had for one summer, and that you know, after that first summer we purchased a second one. Uh, we didn't purchase it for the loop, but we had heard about the loop and considered some of the amenities that the current Lucky Me has so that we could enjoy the loop a little better. Um, so that's a little bit about that. Uh, we, will have, we'll be, we will be married five years next month, um, so we're still in the newlywed um, stage. Um, and we are talking to you today from North Fort Myers um, during our loop, which is a little bit unusual because we did it right in the middle of the loop. We fell in love with this area down here in Florida, and we actually bought a home, a, a snowbird home, for lack of a better word, in North Fort Myers, and then um, fixed it up and finished the loop and went north, um, spent last summer back up in Massachusetts, our home port, and then came down here for this winter. Yeah, so, and a lot of people know you as Lucky Me, um, and you of course have your um, Lucky Me Looping Facebook group. Um, tell us a little bit more about Lucky Me, what kind of boat is she? And I know one of the um, more prevalent features these days, but still somewhat unusual for looping boats is that she's got pod drives. So um, mm -hmm. tell us all about her specs and, and how you like the pod drive. She's uh, 35 foot long, a Tierra Sovereign 3500. Uh, she has pods, as you mentioned. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they are uh, basically your propellers sit underneath the boat facing forward on a 270 degree rotating device, uh, and that's the pod. Um, she gets very good fuel mileage. She is 13 feet wide. Um, I get typically about 1.15 miles per gallon uh, when she's cruising speed at uh, um, She weighs 17,000 pounds, um, and she's 10 years old now. <laughs> so, lost your audio just for a second there, Greg, when you were um, mentioning what the cruising speed is, and I think a lot of people will be curious about that one statistic. So if you could just yeah. repeat the cruising speed, that'd be great. 
Okay. Um, in, in open waters, uh, when we have the space, we do 22 to 24 knots. Um, and we get about 1.15 miles per gallon. Okay. And, and something that everyone wonders about the, the, so to speak, go fast boats on the loop. You know, we know we have a lot of um, trawlers, but more and more go fast boats, honestly, are out there. Um, a lot of people wonder how much of the time can you actually get up on a plane if you're in a go fast boat and how much is really kind of no wake zone. So you're going at, you know, trawler speed anyway, or, or slower than trawler speed even. Probably say 60% of the time you could go fast. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's that much. It depends on. It depends on, on the route you take, too. Right. So. We did a lot of outside jumps um, on the way up when we were down in Florida after we crossed our wake, especially. And we did a lot of outside ocean jumps, and that we could do some really um, long, big jumps. Where a lot of times on the rivers, if it was very open and very rural, you might go fast, but either there's too much stuff coming down the river, the current's a little too fast, um, there's places you can't use the speed, so we did trawler speed for a good part of it also. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm guessing Mary Walker has come across Lucky Me in her travels because she commented that Lucky Me goes fast. So yeah. We go fast when it is safe to do it. Yes. Um, so tell us about the name, because most boats um, have really interesting names, and there's usually a great story behind the name. So tell us about the story behind Lucky Me's name. So when we got married, which will be five years next month, um, we had a song for our wedding, which was called Lucky, um, because Greg's first wife had passed away. I'd been divorced about six years. And um, we used to say that we were very lucky to have found each other. So we would both refer to I'm the lucky one, lucky me, or, or something like that. We ended up having one of the songs at our wedding was lucky. And we are driving to our, the, to start looking at boats after we got married. And we're trying to come up with names even before we purchased. What do you call it? What do we call it? And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Greg goes, Lucky, lucky me. And then we played with a couple lucky you, lucky us, and we fell out and just fell in love with lucky me. I love that story. Um, we got a comment about uh, the slow versus fast. Um, David was wondering how much of the day can be at higher speed. And again, as, as Greg and Sue said it, some of that will depend on your route because along the East Coast, you can hop out on the outside. Yes. Um, and that's going to also vary greatly depending on what part of the route you're on. But um, any thoughts uh, for either of you, you know, if you were in an area where there were plenty of opportunities to go at higher speeds, any guess as to what portion of the day maybe you could do that and, and what portion of the day you had to slow down? Um, Keeping in mind, it will vary greatly. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to vary significantly, and it really isn't based so much on the day. It's going to depend on the traffic that's out there. Are you in a no-weight zone? Are you coming down? We were traveling at one point on the river system and it was at flood stage and stuff is just flying at us. So you've got to really slow down and have a person watching and whatnot. Um, we ended up back in June of last year when we jumped north in 2020, we had four days where we went out on the ocean and it was flat. It was something that people that do a lot of ocean um, boating, you may never see in your whole life. It was literally, and we went 40 miles off in one jump and it was just flat. 
And there you can really, Greg was really able to open it up. Um, the nice thing that I, I guess when people ask us, what's the benefits of having a fast boat versus a slow boat? What we liked and what worked for us is because when we could or when it was safe to or when we needed to, we could go fast. But I have to say, there was a lot of times we could have gone fast, but we just enjoyed the journey. We were traveling with other loopers that maybe weren't fast boats, or we were only going to travel maybe 5 or 10 or 20 miles, and we just took our time and enjoyed it. Um, between the locks, um, a lot of times if there's a bunch of boats, even if you can speed up and get to a lock a half hour before them, the lock master, if they know there's a bunch of boats, they'll hold the lock and just put you all through together. So there's not a lot of benefits always of being a fast boat, but if you want to go fast, we always have that option. And there were times in Canada we were traveling with some buddy boats that we were very slow the whole time because it was just fun all cruising together. And I'm glad you brought that up about the lock, Susan, because that is a great point. If, um, you know, the lock masters are all in communication with one yes. another and then lock down the waterway. So if they're lock locking, particularly in a place with a lot of commercial traffic, if they're locking through a lockage of pleasure craft, as you all move down the river, they're going to wait for the last boat to get there. So it only makes sense to go as fast as the slowest boat in yes. that grouping. Um, and the same can be said a lot of times um, on the East Coast for some of the bridges and, and the mm -hmm. uh, bridge tenders who are opening the bridges for the boats to get through. So unless you can sneak under a lot of them, um, right. again, you know, going on the outside is a good alternative if you don't want to wait for some of those bridges. So which, we, which is which is one, one statistic I didn't put in there with the with the boat is uh, she only she's only her air height is only twelve foot six inches, so we could get under a lot of those bridges. You could get a, under a lot of bridges that some other yes. uh, other boats certainly cannot. So that's always a plus instead of having to wait for those for sure. Um, so we get a lot of questions. Um, I think there's a misperception among a lot of people that AGLCA is mostly for people who are currently on the loop. Um, in fact, I, I got an email from someone today who had missed something in the discussion forum and said, oh, I hadn't been reading that because we haven't started yet. I thought that was just for the people who were already looping. Um, so did you join AGLCA before you started the loop or did you join kind of as you were getting ready to begin? Um, we actually joined three years or so before we actually started the loop. Um, we, we heard about the loop my first year boating in 2016 um, at the Rhode Island Boat Show. Um, we had missed a presentation from the AGLCA. Uh, there was something about anchoring there and we sat there and there were a couple other people that mentioned the, the great loop. So that got our curiosity going. Um, and the following February in, in 2017, we went down to the uh, lifestyle in Charleston and at that point, we had joined the AGLCA and really started using all their resources to find out about the loop and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, really dig into what the trip was all about. Yeah, and I'm glad you made use of those resources. Beforehand. There really is a lot available for people still planning. And uh, yeah, I'm also hearing from some newer members that it can be a little bit overwhelming just trying to digest everything you can find out from the website and the discussion forum. So I think giving yourself some time yes. to you know, become accustomed to all that is probably helpful. We had a few more comments come in about the, you know, the go fast versus uh, slower boats. Um, Lucy, I popped that up for a second, but Lucy mentioned that um, she was a, a sailboat, one of the slower boats. So yes, the faster boats did in fact have to wait on them at the locks. So thanks for confirming that, Lucy. Um, Bob commented that uh, 
one of the advantages to a go fast boat is that you have the chance to be in changing weather. Did you find that uh, ever along the way as it, you know, something you experienced where a unexpected was coming? We, we, we had uh, one incident uh, where we chose a route uh, because there was weather coming um, in the uh, Delaware, uh, Chesapeake Bay, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, and we chose actually go across Chesapeake Bay and view something and then turn around and go back over towards the, uh, the west coast of Chesapeake Bay. Um, and we did it because we had a fast boat so we could go see it and get back across before the weather came in. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was two or three days of bad weather. So we just, at that point, pulled up the, the west coast. Mm -hmm. um, and that was an advantage for me. And there was in the Bahamas where Chris Parker um, said that you've got a small window if you want to jump to the next island. And we actually could see the storm coming in. And I was extremely nervous. And we really trust Chris Parker. We, we think he's pretty amazing. And we said, we think we can do it. And we literally, it looked like we were heading into the storm and we were able to turn and get around the island and then the storm just kind of followed us. And definitely would not have been able to do that if we were in a slow boat. But in hindsight, if we were a slow boat, we would have just waited another day or two. So you can do it either way, but there is some benefits to a, a fast boat. Okay. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Susan, because a lot of other slower boaters do just, you know, they may have less options for choosing to try and, mm -hmm. and get in front of some weather, but they, most of them can also take the option of staying put. Right. Um, so, you know, that's part of the making it your own loop and to each their own. Mm -hmm. um, just a, a quick shout out we got from Elaine. She's loving seeing oh. the two of you and Lucky Me. Um, she's in Manitoulin Island in Canada, so probably still a little cold there. <laughs> um, oh, but following the, the costas, Elaine, thank you for that. We um, met her. She was uh, she was in Canada, and we met her. And she was at the marina, and um, she enjoyed a couple times a week just coming down to the marina and watching the boats. and And had never met a officially met a looper. And we start talking to her, and then telling her about the loop and and whatnot. And she got so excited about it. Um, and she has followed us, and, and we've we've become friends yeah, since then. Yes, we invited her to Docktails and made her an honorary looper one. <laughs> Just thrilled to do that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and another friend of yours, um, oh. Billy Kay, says hello. Yep. Nice. We met such amazing people. Yeah, and uh, that is, you know, Far and away, loopers are just the most fun and amazing group of people, and and so much can be said for the the folks you meet shoreside as well. Um, a couple more questions related to speed. Um, Steve is wondering if there was ever a time that you were relying on your speed and you got into trouble because of that. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Can you think of any situation? Probably not, because throughout the loop, um, yeah. we didn't give ourselves, um, you know, everybody does the loop the way they want, but we definitely were planning a year to a year and a half and never trying to rush it. So um, many times we would do smaller jumps and stay in a location for two or three days. So there was really never an issue of, oh, we needed the speed, oh, we didn't have the speed, or there really wasn't any issue because we, we could always play with um, stay another day or not or rush out this morning. It was never really an issue. Right. Okay. And Stephanie uh, would like to know, 
What is the lowest bridge clearance you came across? Now that's dependent on the route choices. So why don't you tell us what the route choice, you know, the major route choices, so to speak. And and with lucky me um, having a 12 foot air draft, all of the route choices are open to you. So right. what did you take? Um, primarily let's, let's talk about which route you took um, from the New York state canals to get into Canada. So we went up the, uh, through the Erie Canal to Oswego, went up to the Oswego Canal, um, went all went on the New York side up to uh, Alexandria Bay, then crossed over to Canada, followed the coast down to Kingston, then over to Trenton, then to Trenton, into Georgian Bay, um, North Channel. We went up to Sault Ste. Marie and then headed down to Mackinac Island, went down the west coast of Michigan to Chicago, and uh, down the river systems to Mobile. And, and did uh, you actually do the Chicago River? Yes. Uh, three times. Three times. Because <laughs> it was so interesting to go through downtown Chicago. It was one of our favorites. Yeah. So, um, and so many people talk about that as a highlight, but not all Uber boats can do the, the Chicago River and do downtown Chicago. So, um, Stephanie, I'm just going to give you a few of the stats on the numbers because that question gets asked a lot and there's a lot of confusion. Um, the lowest bridge on the Great Loop that there is no alternate route around is on the Illinois River, right about mile marker 300.5, and it's charted at 19.7 feet. So you absolutely have to go under that bridge to complete the Great Loop. So that's the number to keep in mind, 19.7 feet. If you can't get under that, you actually have to turn around and go back. <laughs> There's no other way to do it. Um, the route that Lucky Me took to get from the New York State Canals into Canada is the route you would take if you draft if you draw about 19 and a half feet, 19.7 feet, um, all looping boats. If you can get through that Illinois River Bridge, you can do the route that Lucky Me took, which is the Erie Canal to the Oswego Canal into Lake Ontario. If you can clear about 14, I'm sorry, 15.6 feet, you can do the entire Erie Canal. Um, if you can clear 17 feet, you can take the, instead of going into the Erie Canal, you can take the Lake Champlain route and enter Canada that way, which is also a stunning trip for lots of people. The Chicago River, um, which Sue and Greg did, the clearance is about 17 feet there as well, 17 and a half maybe. Um, that one causes a lot of confusion because the Illinois Waterway Bridge, there's two ways out of Chicago. One is the Chicago River, which you were able to take, Sue and Greg. And you need that 17 foot clearance. The other is the Cal Sag, which is just south of the city. It doesn't have those same bridge restrictions. So if you take, if you, if your air draft is, you know, let's say 19 feet, you can take the CalSAG, still have to go under the Illinois Waterway Bridge, that's 19.7, but that's the way you would have to go. So Stephanie, I hope that answered the question about clearances. That's such a big question. Um, and we get that, you know, a lot. And there's lots of confusion again, I think, because the Illinois River and the Chicago River, those bridges are so close together. Uh, but that is the answer. Um, let's see, Elise Martin says hello to Sue and Greg. And um, Susan Pellet, also known as Susie Q, uh, sent good wishes to both of you. Um, Lucy just shared some conventional wisdom. This is spot on, Lucy, so thank for that. You really don't want to be driven by a schedule. Um, absolutely, um, particularly weather risks. If you're on a mm -hmm. schedule trying to get somewhere by a certain time, 
that's when we tend to see some poor decisions about leaving docks um, at a time that perhaps the weather would have dictated you probably should have stayed put. So yes, Lucy, spot on. Thank you for that. And a couple more hellos to Sue and Gray from this mic. Oh, oh Christine. Hi, 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 back home. So, a good friend from home. And one from Lori Sullivan. Oh, so you've got one of our, Lori Sullivan is on, her and Kevin are on the Laura Jean, and they were one of our special buddy boats that we um, became very close to up in Canada. There was four of us that cruised together a significant amount of time. Um, Dundagan, who was, I believe, on the uh, one of your doctor programs a few weeks ago. They were, yes. Texas Goal and the uh, Larry Sullivan and the Larry Jean. Yes. And um, Rhonda just mentioned that they are in Jacksonville. Oh, good, good. They uh, are, perhaps you're they on your way. Looping, cruising. They did a looping, um, what they call it? A, they, they stopped looping for a little bit because of a some, redo. a redo. They're doing a looping redo. <laughs> Perfect. For a little bit. Went home and then are back on the loop. So hopefully, when we uh, when we get back on the loop, we'll see them. Yeah, and um, I know we were going to talk about this a little bit later, but you just mentioned being back on the loop, and we did get that question from Jeffrey: Are you looping again yeah. this year? Yeah. Um, so we are excited. We made a decision. We will be leaving our home that we are our snowbird home that we own here in North uh, Myers. About May 15th, we'll head back to Massachusetts where Lucky Me is on the hog. And from there, we're hoping to leave somewhere around June 7, give or take a day. Um, and hoping to be up in Shady Harbor on the Hudson for their famous looper pig roast. And hoping to do that for, I believe it's um, June 13th. So uh, we are looping again. Because we went gold in Stewart, Florida, because that's the place that we had, that's the furthest that we had gone when um, we went south first, a little bit different, but our looping was we went south first so we could visit the Bahamas, then we went north to do the loop. Technically, we've already done part of the loop already a second time from Stewart to Massachusetts. So as soon as we, we figured it out the other day, we had 3,000, approximately 3,500 miles to go to go platinum. And we are very excited that in November, there will be another Virgie up there, and it'll be a platinum Virgie. Yeah, we're excited for you. Um, yeah. Nick from Acquisition says that he is listening intently, and they're going to be doing their loop number two. So oh, they're thank you. Oh, we, cool. we uh, Nick and Terry, we uh, shared dock tales many times with them. They have an amazing boat, and they are about two hours north of us in Florida right now, and we stay in touch um, that's the, the really neat thing with Facebook and, and emails and texts. We made so many different friends, and many of them are in the Florida area, and we're constantly all in touch with each other, so it, it's really neat. But Nick and his wife are amazing. Yeah. Well, and Rhonda chimed in that they were calling their little interruption there, lupus interruption. <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. And we heard from several people who had some lupus interruptus, yes. multiple yeah. people in 2020. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, and we're thrilled to hear that you're going to be going around again. Um, really some of the unique things that, you know, are part of the Lucky Me story. So you mentioned going to the Bahamas. You spent some extended time compared to some loopers in the Bahamas. Um, so tell us about that. You know, how did that come about, This your plan at, for the time you spent there and, and how long you spent and what made it so special? So we are big chilliers for the Bahamas. So we are constantly... <laughs> We spent 
this, this sounds almost crazy, but we prepared so much to go to the Bahamas. In some ways, I almost feel like we prepared for the Bahamas more than the Great Loop because we were going out of the country and there was just so many concerns. And I honestly feel between the AGLCA and other the waterway guides, which we love, it was just a lot of information to get for the Great Loop. At the time we went a few years ago, I just didn't feel Waterway Guides has a great book, but there wasn't some simple answers that I could get for Bahamas. So we spent a lot of time preparing for that trip. Um, left Massachusetts with the boat, um, staged the boat in Charleston, South Carolina. Greg retired in January of 2019, and we took the boat and went all the way down to Florida and cut across to the Bahamas. And we spent eight weeks there um, visiting 22 islands and keys and probably the most amazing trip of my life to, you know, people that go on a cruise ship go, oh, wow, the Bahamas is amazing. But to be there on your own boat, to be able to stay and, and walk beaches, there's no footprints on. And, and it was just amazing. The people were great. The food, um, you know, to have all the little um, little side uh, street side um, cafes and whatnot, fish fries and, and just crazy stories. We fell in love with Bahamas so much that we put together our book, which is one of the books that we offer for free. And originally we put the book together, Cruising the Bahamas with the Lucky Me, and we put that together for really loopers, um, to give loopers the information because we had put so much time into preparing for this trip. And then once you got over there, you learned so much. There is just things that, and again, it's in waterway guides, it's in, it's out there, but there's just so much information. If you wanted to go for the very first time as a looper or as a boater that, that maybe isn't familiar with traveling out of the country, we wanted to put together a simple book that you could read. And um, the first edition was in April, two years ago. Um, and I think it was 48 pages. Um, we just updated uh, in the last few weeks to 64 pages, and this is the fourth edition. And we are closing in on 15,000 copies being distributed for free in the last two years. So we're pretty proud of that book and, and have enjoyed sharing our love of the Bahamas. And it is an absolutely fabulous resource. And I also do want to point out, and I know, of course, Primarily, you distribute that as an ebook yes. um, through email. But uh, Sue and Greg have also presented at a few of our events before COVID <laughs> on the Bahamas. And they literally printed out copies of the 50 or so page book. Um, Greg came in with a, a hand truck with a pile of boxes. <laughs> um, they literally printed out those 50 pages for everyone who would be in attendance at their own cost, at the goodness of their heart, just because they're nice people. Um, and I know everyone was so thankful to have received that. So yes, they wrote this um, as a gift to loopers and have done it free. And I just want to point out, it's not even just the e-version that they've done for free. Um, they even brought highlighters so everyone could take notes and highlight sections of the book while they were doing their presentation. So kudos to you two for that. I know all of the attendees greatly appreciated that. And I do want to talk a little bit um, about, you know, the, that book and a couple of others that you've authored or helped author since then, but a couple other quick shout outs for you. Um, oh, Marie I, Ellerth 
is uh, Rama is in Annapolis, so a little bit ahead of the pack for this year, headed for Rhode Island, so it's oh. New England waters there. Um, and we've got a shout out about Green Turtle K, oh, yeah. of course. Um, in the Bahamas and have become best friends and they live about an hour south of us and um, just the people you meet, the connections you make on the loop and, and Ian and his wife Liz were just one of the couple, many couples we met during the loop. It's it just, you can't even explain the connections you make and the, the friendships that you have. And so many go loopers say that, um, and I really think you have to experience it before that completely sinks in. Um, yes. because it seems, you know, so unlikely that everybody has that experience with, you know, mm -hmm. the people that they meet and the lifelong friendships. Um, but it, I, I think, without exception, every go looper I've ever asked, you know, yes. was the, so the people they meet was was the highlight of the trip. Um, yes. So we have well, somebody with a I have my, my little sign that I put with all my looper. Oh, I love that. Yes. So because it's, it is amazing. We are very, very close to our family, but many of the loopers that we've met, um, they feel like family now. And we can we support each other in times of need if somebody's sick or somebody. Um, we have a looper, and I, I won't do names, but they're about 40 minutes north of us and had some emergency surgery. And we found out about it in about 9 o'clock in the morning, and Greg started the smoker outside. I started cooking in the kitchen, and about 3 o'clock that afternoon, we delivered um, four or five meals to them. Um, and that's just... You know, and somebody might say, well, why'd you do that? Because somebody would do that for us in a hockey. Because that's, there's this connection that if you talk to people that do RVing or other somewhat similar hobbies, you don't hear about this. You know, for a while we were all together and you're traveling in the same direction. And it might be once a week or once a month and you're bumping in. We met people at the start of the loop in Norfolk, Virginia, at the, the Looper um, Fall Rendezvous, um, spring, spring Rendezvous, and um, became best friends. I was going through pictures the other day, and I'm like, wow, we met all of these people, and we're now this close. And it's just, it's hard to explain if you haven't experienced it. But I do, all the gold loopers say the same thing. Yeah, and we can't wait to get back to those face-to-face -face events where some, some of those connections are initially made. So we're excited about to hopefully be doing that this fall. Um, let's see. Uh, Mike and Pam on CC Rider are in Bimini now, um, but they said that it's your book and it's been super helpful. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, this question from Wendy, this is a great time to bring it up. She's uh, getting ready to start their adventure. Um, want to help friends and family kind of share along um, and to keep in contact. So she's asking if you suggest a blog or a Facebook personal or business page. You have Lucky Me Looping, which is a Facebook group, correct? Yeah. Um, which is one of the ways you get people your book. So talk a little bit, um, uh, Susan, from your experiences. Um, you know, what is your recommendation? I know you have 10,000 people in your Facebook group now, so that's been a success. <laughs> yes. Um, so the reason I believe our page has been very successful is we are constantly interacting with everybody. We are giving away the book and a couple others I'm going to tell you about in a minute. And we don't ask for anything. We give away little, we sometimes have little crazy games. We'll have contests and there's a little prize. Occasionally, um, if there's a marina that happens to be following us, 
and they give us t-shirts or something for free, we actually pass that on. We don't feel like we should have, we, we, we don't take anything, we don't take sponsors, we don't take anything. We just want to be able to play this forward. So um, I don't know, 10,300 or whatever, I'm not quite sure what the number is right now, but we answer questions, we share a lot of information about the Great Loop and Bahamas on the page. And then a lot of people connect with the page because um, they either want to talk to somebody that's already done the loop or is on the loop or whatnot. And then it's interesting because people will interact with each other and then we answer a lot of questions and we're constantly. So if somebody wants to keep their family and friends um, connected, we found that Facebook was nice and easy because at the end of the day, I could log in, put four or five photos in, and do a little paragraph of, or two. We know people that do blogs. We did not do a blog because the few people that we talked to that had them, they loved them, but they felt like they had to write, you know, chapters and chapters and chapters. I really enjoyed, at the end of the day, four or five pictures and a little bit of a clip about what we did. And it was nice and simple. And a lot of our family and friends had Facebook. Um, other than that, there is so many other options. People have websites, people have blogs, they're doing YouTube videos and stuff. We are pretty much sticking with Facebook. It was just the easiest for us. And, and again, we're not trying to um, make it too commercialized or capture um, money or sponsors. So Facebook was just kind of the answer for us. Yeah. You mentioned um, your books. We've talked about yeah. the Bahamas book a bit, but there are others. So uh, yeah. tell us about those so we so we have our first book which is free and like i said we just updated that so that's the cruising the bahamas with the lucky me and this is version four anybody that doesn't have this book can either send an email which is sue sue lucky me at gmail.com or go on to facebook it's either susan costa c-o-s-t-a or our Facebook page for the Great Loop is um, Lucky Me Looping, um, three different words. So that is the first book that's now two years old as of next month. Um, after that, this past summer, we did a book and that is Ladies on the Loop. Now, I am especially proud of this book. Um, the printer wasn't working today, but this has got a beautiful pink cover. Um, this is also a free book. And last summer, I put something out on the form looking to see if any of the other looping ladies would like to put a chapter together. Now, honestly, I was thinking, you know, if I could get 10 or 12 and we put something together, this would be great. I eventually had to stop when I reached 35 because there was just all these women that wanted to be part of it. And it was just, it became very exciting. And within three or four days, we, had, we were up to 35 women. Um, so the book is basically, the only thing that I asked is that they um, do something personal and it was from their experiences. And originally I thought the book was gonna go more in, you know, the friendships you make and everything. And instead it went in all different directions and it's 240 pages, um, 35 different authors and book is free. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, some people asked to have it put on Amazon because it was easier for them to download to a Kindle. And I think it's $2.99. Um, 
any money that's made on that is donated. We don't keep a cent of that. And that was something we had talked about with the girls. But for the most part, it's distributed through Facebook and emails and whatnot. And um, there's some talk about should we do another one? And I, I'm not sure if it'll be this summer or next summer, but we are thinking about, because um, there's still a lot more stories to be told. So we are thinking about putting that together. And then, so the third book, which is, this is the, um, this is the rough draft, the working copy it has not come out yet, but after the great loop, what's next? And this is just a, a working rough draft that I am putting a little time into um, each week. Um, we are up to 20 possible options and we are reaching out to goal loopers. And basically, what did you do after you finished the great loop? Um, I will tell you, it was kind of interesting. I had tears in my eyes the last couple hours and was pretty much crying the last hour as we, as we pulled in because you plan for this. You're, you're all excited. You're doing the loop. You're making these great friends. You're, you're, and then all of a sudden, you're pulling into your home court. You've got your gold flag. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, we, we did it. We, you know, so this book will be for anybody that does it. What's the other options? Where, what do you do next? And for some, it may be going around the loop or continuing the cruise, or we'll talk about the down east loop, the triangular, the triangle loop, um, so, you know, all different kinds of options. And, and we're getting everyone's perfect, uh, various goal loopers' personal experiences to go in the book. And it'll be free, another free book. And that, that's also much needed because, um, and we've talked, I think, with the creatures on DuckTales specifically about, you know, post-loop letdown <laughs> is yes. a real thing. Um, and it's hard to transition from that, you know, daily social exploring adventure to life back at home. So I think that, that book is a great addition. But tell us why you continue to do these books and why you do them great. Let me take it. Okay. Um, so we... We do them for free because we enjoy giving back. Um, both Greg and I, before we got married, and I've mentioned a couple times, it's only been five years, but we had a history of charitable giving. So I worked in a soup kitchen that um, I used to help run. I worked with the veterans, um, did a, um, a lot of um, charitable giving. And Greg was also involved back in with his community. So when we went on the loop, we decided that we wanted to give back. Um, so of course, when we put the books together, there was never a thought, oh, we're gonna sell these books. And, and I would rather give out a thousand than sell a hundred because I think it can really make a difference. And there are times when I will open up either an email or a message in Facebook and I'll read to Greg that, somebody has reached out to us and said, wow, your book made such a difference. Um, I've got reluctant spouses that are reading The Ladies on the Loop and going, I think I can do this now. I, I really feel after reading this book, I can do this. I can relate to these women. And there's a couple of them. Uh, my friend Jody did one, There's No Crying on the Flybridge. And she was not ready to do the loop. And, and she wrote all about it. And you read through all this and you say, wow, they felt like me. Um, and as for the Bahamas, we fell in love with it. So by promoting this book, we feel like we're just being a, a really good cheerleader for the Bahamas. Um, and then the third book, we kind of felt that. We, you can't say it's depression, but you do feel, because you put all of this, and I'm sure that if you talk to somebody that ran the Boston Marathon or 
climb the highest mountains or did anything like this that all of a sudden when you're done you go wait a minute what's what's next what this was like such a goal and you reach it now i won't say that everybody feels this way but we have heard from other people and we had a couple of weeks of all right what's what's next and and we weren't sure about doing a second loop right away and then we talked about some options and people go cruising in New England and they do back and forth and some people sell their boat do camping for a while there's so many different options but for us it was natural to go towards the uh towards doing the loop again but we do like to so we we enjoy giving back would be the answer as to why they're free yeah and um just wanted to pop up this comment uh David said it's amazing to see such a great community and it, it really is I'm thankful every day that I get to talk to loopers <laughs> you know for that's how i make my living is talking to loopers and i am certainly very fortunate to be able to do that because it is an amazing community and another example of that again through sue and greg um and you mentioned that you both had a history of charitable giving um but you also continued that spirit throughout the loop so talk a little bit about the service projects you know how you incorporated that into your loop and some of the favorite ones that you did along the way it's really interesting how this happened. And um, we didn't, we knew we wanted to do some charity when we were on the loop, but I really had never planned, we're going to do this, we're going to call it that. That was never at all in, into our plan. And we are in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where our boat is staged. We're going to stop the loop. Greg's retired. We fly down to the boat. We're ready to stop the loop, which for us meant going south before we went north. And all of a sudden, there is a government shutdown. And Greg was in the, um, the Air Force for almost 10 years. So we do try to do some charity that's either veterans related or for, for public servants. And there was this government shutdown in early 2019. And we are hearing about the Coast Guard um, putting in extra hours, not necessarily getting paid right away and some issues. And we decide to buy pizza for the Coast Guard. And 20 pizzas, 15 pizzas, and solar or whatever. And we call them up and, and we, have to, we have to go three levels up and get an okay. And the next thing you know, we're delivering and we post some pictures of us delivering pizza. And then all of a sudden we're like, wow, this, this was really good. So we came up with this name called Looper's Care because we thought it would also show, um, I've always felt when we're on the loop, once that Virgie went on the front of our boot, boat that we were ambassadors for the loop. We were presenting for the loop. And, um, you know, just to, to show that loopers care. And so we called it loopers care. And by the time we finished the loop, we did over 30 different loopers care. The first one was the Coast Guard in Charleston. We actually did six in the Bahamas where we actually sponsored um, some moorings. We brought over cat and dog supplies for a shelter in Bimini, um, sponsored the um, eye exams and glasses on Little Farmer's Key. And then when we came back from the Bahamas, as we continued to do our whole loop, about every maybe twice a month and sometimes three times a month, we would come up with one. The largest one that we did um, was in Key West. By then, the page has grown and everybody's excited about these loop, the Looper's Cares we're doing. And so we asked our friends on Facebook and family if they'd like to be part of it. We raised over $1,000 and we were able to purchase for one month 
all of the personal supplies for the homeless shelter, which is on a, just, they have a very large homeless population down there. And there's a housing intense on Stock Island. And the one thing I, I have to say is that to me was very important. We don't buy what we think they need. We actually do try to make a phone call. So we call them and say, we would like to do this. And that has been very beneficial because there are restrictions sometimes. We can't take this, we can take this. And, and they actually said, you know, we'll take almost anything, they, not bar soaps. There was a little issue with bar soap, so it had to be liquid soap. But he said, this is what we're desperate for. We actually get lots of toothpaste from dentist's office, but we don't get this. So we were able to make a list of everything they need. Um, Wendy Wilson and the Wilsons on the Water Group helped us with shopping and her kids um, were amazing. And we purchased $1,000 worth of towels and personal products for the homeless shelter and posted on the page over 40 family and friends that helped out with that. Yeah. So our, that was our big one. Yeah, absolutely heartwarming to hear those stories. And I do hope that others kind of pick up that Looper's Cares torch and carry that on their loop. Um, I also loved what you said about as soon as that Burgie is up, you considered yourselves ambassadors for the Great Loop. Um, and I, I do truly hope that as interest in the loop grows and as the number of loopers out there grows, that everyone adopts that attitude because nothing makes me cringe more than when I hear of a discourteous boater that, oh, by the way, was flying the looper flag. Um, just a little caution to everybody. Those, those word about that travels pretty quick. <laughs> there's, actually, there's actually been times where we're in the channel. We are perfectly in a place that we could go a little bit faster. And I'll be like, no, 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 we got the Burgie. We're kind of close to that sailboat. We can slow down. We got to, you know, call out loud. Give me, and, and there's times when you're perfectly right to go fast, but you go, we always are very conscientious that we are representing the Great Loop with that Burgie on the front. And that is much appreciated. And I truly do think that, you know, some of what is viewed as discourteous boaters, perhaps <laughs> like the Burgie, it's truly newer boaters that just don't even realize it yet. So we encourage everyone to take those boat basic boating classes, to take those safety classes, to learn the rules of the road so that you're not unintentionally one of those discourteous boaters that rumor of them works their way back to us. So um, a couple more comments for you too. Um, I don't think I've popped this one up yet. Um, David mentioned it's amazing to see this great community. Agreed, David. Um, uh, Denise Gillespie uh, from Island Office. That she says that oh. she met you along the way. Denise and Mark have presented for us a few times. Yep. So we haven't had them on Docktails just yet, um, but uh, they love what you're doing out there as well. And thank you for the contributions. And Deborah Bowles is watching as well. Um, now Deb and KT, her husband, are from uh, Mountain Wave. Um, they since sold that boat and bought a different one, but we met them in Norfolk, maybe, mm -hmm. and then bounced and met them in other places on the loop. Became good friends with them in Canada, and they have. We have uh, purchased this home last February, and we told them that we purchased this this home, and they're coming down, cut across the Gulf, and they're looking at possibly buying something. And because of us and so many other loopers on the West coast of Florida, they bought a home. Um, so they're 20 minutes away. You see them often. Yeah. 
And that's, you know, so much the case. Uh, Southwest Florida, where you have uh, chosen to put down some roots, so to speak, has, uh, it's just um, loopers everywhere. Yes, <laughs> it's like in the winter. So I know you're in good company there in the Fort Myers area. Um, so tell us, um, what did you, you know, obviously you gave a lot during your loop, but what did you gain from doing the Great Loop? We're not quite picking up Greg's audio. <laughs> yeah, he's talking low. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to do Yeah. Okay. So, so what did I gain? I'll, I'll give you a couple of uh, amazing friendships that I am still extremely close to today. Um, and I literally would hate to name names because, you know, there's so many of them. But we just had, um, my birthday was March 22nd. And we had 20 loopers that showed up for a small birthday party that we had at a um, yacht club in Naples that we belong to. So it is just the amazing friendships that you will make. Um, there is some that came down to Florida for a week or so this winter, and we would see them. Some are heading here now. Some are getting ready to leave. Um, I hope when we're back on the loop, we'll bump into a bunch of them again, R&R &R and some others that are looping right now that we're hoping to. So I would say the amazing friendships. And then the second thing for me was just the feeling of an accomplishment. Um, no matter how confident you are, till you're out there doing the loop and going through all of this, it's It's really amazing to be able to say, I accomplished this. I went through a lock that's 80 feet and double locks and I did it and I, I I was able to figure this out and figure out where we're going to dock tonight and occasionally when something wasn't perfect you we were able to handle it and figure it out you know when you drop the the boat pole in the lock or lose the dinghy or the crazy things that happen the pig bite in the Bahamas crazy things that happen and and you figure it out and you survive and you feel really accomplished at the end. And, and I think that was probably a couple of things I gave. What, what do you think you gave? Um, I would probably say the confidence in being able to set a goal and, and achieve it. Mm -hmm. uh, and whether, no matter whether you think it's at all possible. For when we first heard about this, I thought, well, I'd be kind of cool never in my life thinking that we'd actually do it. Um, and within a few years, we, we were doing the loop. Uh, so it was the knowing, understanding, learning more about myself um, and what I was capable, capable of yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's I, probably, that would be the biggest thing. Yeah. And that's huge. And we do hear that. Um, when I first got involved with AGLCA and I was still trying to kind of wrap my brain around all of this and what it means to people. And one of the gold loopers said to me, it's, it's an adventure um, that is challenging enough to be an accomplishment, yes. but not so arduous that it's unpleasant. <laughs> and that kind of struck me that, um, you know, it is that challenge and it is enough of a challenge that it is a big thing to, to finish it. And it's still, um, a fairly small number of people who finish the loop, particularly if you look at it on a year by year basis. Um, but it's not so arduous that it becomes just something you don't want to continue doing. So I'm glad that the two of you had that experience. What um, what are some of the best memories you have, whether it's places or specific times? 
with some of your buddy boats? What are some of the best memories you have of your time on the water on the loop? So um, for me, a couple of memories, and I, I took down a couple of notes today thinking, what are I, because I knew you might ask about memories or what were some of our, our things that we look back at. Um, we voted on four of the five Great Lakes, and that was just amazing. Um, coming from Massachusetts, we that was just not, a, that's not a weekend trip. That's not a day trip. <laughs> Very true. Boat. Yeah. It just, I mean, we went out um, on Lake Superior and, and on a date, just did a day trip out there, but went out to where the um, Edmund Fitzgerald had, had, had gone down. And just to be able to say four of the five Great Lakes, now when we go platinum, we'll hit the last Great Lake that we haven't been on yet. Um, meeting loopers in the first few months would be another amazing memory. I can actually tell you some of the, oh, Lori Sullivan's putting, <laughs> our buddy boats is putting rafting in Canada. Um, I can actually tell you when I met Larry Sullivan. Um, I can tell you when I met Jody from B-Side, Mary on Pegasus. I, no, I'm sorry, Jody from um, Dundigan, Brenda from B-Side, Mary from Pegasus. I can actually tell you the different times when I met people. And that's kind of neat because um, you have such great memories of the first couple of days you meet and you sometimes just click with people. We became great friends with lots of people, but there's probably, you know, 40 or 50 that you just really click with and you end up traveling with them. Um, probably one of my other memories would be we hosted docktails a lot um, and sometimes it was four of us and there were a few that was 80 plus. We did uh, docktails at Joe Wheeler as a kickoff. Um, Greg and I collected wine as we were traveling because we like to go to wineries. And when Joe, at the beginning of Joe Wheeler, we offered to do, we made little invitations and offered to do a kickoff docktail. And over 100 people showed up and we had a table set up and they could try wine and distilled um, alcohols from different parts of the loop. And we called it a taste of the loop. And, um, you know, stuff like that is just ingrained and, and memories like that, you know, you can't, you'll never forget. Just amazing. What would you say? I, I think for me, it's going to sound silly. Marshmallows tied up in a lock wall on oh, a yes. transever. Yes. Um, what was amazing to me, um, as, as simple as that sounds. Yeah. Uh, and then again, standing inside the top of the St. Louis arch, looking at the Mississippi river as a tree floats by a whole tree thinking, I hope I don't meet that when I get out of Mississippi the next day. Yeah. Uh, that Those are some of the things that really stick out in my, my mind. Yep. And Susie Q added that that was so fun. I'm not sure if she was there for the marshmallows. That's when she chimed in with that. <laughs> the docktails, for sure. Absolutely, for the docktails, yep. And back when we were talking about uh, what you gained from it, um, Deborah mentioned that she gained a good working relationship with her Captain KT. So... Also, something that a lot of loopers talk about gaining is, um, you know, that developing an even stronger relationship with their significant other that they are looping with. So certainly a plus there. Um, we've got about five minutes left. Uh, and and Suze, Suze Q did chime in. She was talking about the docktails. So Joe, the taste of the loop. Yes. Hopefully we will do that again. If uh, uh, We are so hopeful that we'll be able to do that this fall at Joe Wheel. I can buy more wine. We have to buy. We'll start when we will start stocking up on wine just in case. 
will be Start planning for taste of blue. Yes. And, you know, for those of you watching who are not familiar with Joe Wheeler or Rendezvous, it's a, we have one in the spring and the fall typically is the time frame. Um, in the fall, it's along the river system because that's where most loopers are coming through. That puts us at Joe Wheeler State Park. It is a very quaint, very um, rural area, a facility that we have outgrown, um, but there simply is nothing else in that area of the country. We're talking about a very rural area. So, we are doing our planning because the if we can, in fact, do an in-person rendezvous this fall at Joe Wheeler State Park, it will be the first rendezvous in two years. The last one that we were able to have was in, in fall of 19 at Joe Wheeler State Park. Um, in a normal year, so to speak, the Joe Wheeler rendezvous sells out within a couple of days of us opening registration. With it being the first one in two years, we're planning for that. So... <laughs> We're working on how that might work. We are considering a couple of smaller um, looper lifestyle seminars. Those are really kind of the introduction to the Great Loop that Sue and Greg have attended. We haven't obviously been able to do those in about a year. Right now it's about a year, but by the time we get some on the calendar, it'll be about a year and a half. Um, actually, the last one was January of 2020. So by the time we get them on the calendar, it'll absolutely be a year and a half, probably closer to two years. We're trying to figure out if and when it'll be safe to do a couple of those before Wheeler to perhaps um, satisfy some of that uh, desire for an in-person event for newer loopers. Some of them may be more suited to a day and a half or two day looper lifestyle than a four day rendezvous. So we're working on that. Stay tuned. Um, we know that there's a lot of people uh, expecting to go to the fall rendezvous. We don't know that Joe Wheeler can accommodate everybody who's expecting to go and we hate to leave everybody, anybody disappointed. So, like I said, stay tuned. We're working on all kinds of different things about that. But it keeps coming up in every conversation. We're like, oh, Joe Wheeler, we can't wait. <laughs> so um, and, you know, it's, it's a yearly thing. And we also have them in the spring. So if, if it doesn't work for some of you for Joe Wheeler for this year, there's always 2022. So um, Mary Walker said, remember the party at Green Turtle? Yes. <laughs> Terry from Acquisition that said hello earlier, and Mary, and, and Lucky Me. We, and Susie remembers that too, Susie Q. Yeah, 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 she was there too. But um, Terry from Acquisition, Mary from, um, at that time, Pegasus, and uh, myself, the three ladies stepped forward to do, um, to host a docktail inside. And we came up with this goofy game and asked questions, and the answers were quite surprising. Um, <laughs> off their boat more than once and I remember um, Larry from One-Eyed Dog I, I think he had fallen off twice and who was the longest married looper and this couple got up and it was just really we played these we gave a little we had little keychains as a prize and, and there was probably 800 people for that because there was other boaters at the marina and just lots of fun yeah quite fun so as we wrap up, um, any advice that you would give to um, people who are just kind of new to the idea of the loop and are thinking about doing it? Mm -hmm. So what would you say? Um, don't get hung up on the daily travel planning. Just have a general idea because it's going to change anyway, mm -hmm. depending on weather and, and as you run into people, they may say, hey, we're going here, and you might decide, okay, I'm going to go there. So any plans you had after that are, are totally messed up. Just plan for the general time frame um, and do it. Just just do it. Yeah. Great advice. Um, 
enough, I would say plan enough time to really enjoy the sites, the ports, and everything that you're going to see. Um, and again, does the loop their own way, but for us, a year was basically a year and a half with the trip gave us a really nice time that we never felt really in a rush. Um, and there are some spots that you don't realize now that when you get there, you will fall in love with. Um, Canada was like that. We just loved Canada and actually stayed longer than we probably expected to. And there were some other places that instead of one night, you'd stay three. So if you can plan enough time to really enjoy it, what worked for us was we took the Great Loop map and there was a few things. We knew we wanted to be in Chicago by a certain date because the locks were going to be closing that year for a while. We knew we wanted to hit the Shady Harbor Pig Roast. We knew we wanted to be in Canada on July 1st because July 1st is their Canada Day. And we were in Kingston on July 1st with fireworks right off of our boat. And we've got the flags and we're hosting dock hills and it was just amazing. But we didn't have every day planned out. There was probably about eight different spots that we wanted to be, if it would work out, there for a specific time. Um, but other than that, we were very loose in between. Um, and then Greg always brings up, if the only other advice we would give is, don't pack all the clothes, don't pack all the food, don't overpack. You, I'm not going to promise you you can get Skippy peanut butter and bumblebee tuna and the wheat bread from Sara Lee, but there is loads of grocery stores. Um, may cost you a little bit more because you're not hitting the, the box store or the, the less expensive store. Um, but with few exceptions, we did hit some rural areas in Canada, and then Bahamas is a whole different thing. And, and we talk, yeah, and we talk about that in the book. And and the spots in Canada, we wanted to go to some rural areas, but with few exceptions, we never had a problem with um, finding food and supplies as long as you weren't too picky. Um, and then clothes, we probably didn't use more clothes than we did use on the boat. So for us, just we way overpacked that we just didn't need it all. Great advice. Uh, Ellen, who um, is, is great with interacting with us here on Facebook, she says, uh, thanks for all your help and she hopes to see you this year. So hi, yes. Ellen. And we are uh, out of time. Tell us uh, one more time, Greg and Sue, if folks would like to get copies of some of your books, what's the best way to go about that? All right. So right now we have two books that are free, and that would be Cruising the Bahamas with the Lucky Me and also The Ladies on the Loop. Um, and we would love to send them out to anybody. There's no cost at all. It's an ebook. Um, you can either send me an email to sueluckyme at gmail.com, or if you go on to our looping page, Lucky Me Looping, which is on Facebook, um, you'll see I'm the one that does 70% of the posting on there. So you'll just click on Susan Coster, send me a quick message, and I send you the book has a reply. Um, the new book out that we're working on with our kind of working title, After the Great Loop, What's Next, um, that will probably be out in the next few months. Um, we're still kind of in the rough draft on that one. All right. Sue and Greg, uh, great session tonight. I know all of our uh, folks watching have really appreciated it. I've enjoyed talking with you and catching up with you, so we can't wait to see you out there on the loop again. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's watched. We do these every two weeks, so we'll be back two weeks from tonight on a Tuesday from 5 to 6 Eastern with our next DocTales 
Until then, you can find us at greatloop.org. You can uh, follow us here on Facebook. We've got podcasts, lots of resources uh, for both members and non-members. So we thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye, everyone.